Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. Our scripture reading is Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 23. God's angry displeasure erupts as acts of human mistrust and wrongdoing and lying accumulate as people try to put a shroud over truth. But the basic reality of God is plain enough. Open your eyes and there it is. By taking a long and thoughtful look at what God has created, people have always been able to see what their eyes as such can't see. Eternal power, for instance, and the mystery of divine being. So nobody has a good excuse. What happened was this. People knew God perfectly well. But when they didn't treat God like God, refusing to worship God, they trivialized themselves into silliness and confusion. So there was neither sense nor direction left in their lives. They pretended to know it all, but were illiterate regarding life. They traded the glory of God who holds the world for cheap figurines you can buy at a roadside stand. Thanks be to God. The mystery of nature. Despite everything that we have learned from science, there still remains this gap between what we know and what remains a mystery. Nature is full of these. If you notice on your TV screen or your iPad or phone screen, whatever device you're watching this, you'll see this picture that will pop up. And there you will notice the Devil's Kettle Falls. This is in Minnesota. And you will notice that the fall in the middle is literally just coming regular, and you can see it fall all the way down and join into the river. On the other side, the fall comes in, and it falls into this large kettle, this large hole. The mystery is we don't know where that water comes out. They have tried different ways of explaining it, and in, 19, in 2017, they actually came up with a way, but there still remains a question. For example, if you throw 100 ping-pong balls into this hole, which they have, by the way, and they had written on those balls, if found, please call and a reward. If you throw those in there, they never come out. And so even though they came up with this theory in 2017, it still left questions. What happens to objects that fall into this abyss and they never come out? Another mystery is in Poland. It's called the Crooked Forest. And if you'll notice again on your screen, you'll see that in this particular area of the forest, the trees, instead of going straight up, they go to the side and then they begin to come up. Again, another mystery that we cannot completely understand. And there's more. There's the Catatumba lightning. There is the ball lightning. There are the star jelly. 
all of these are different mysteries in nature that we simply do not understand. And in living in July of 2020, we have again experienced a mystery. We're learning more about it, but there's elements that we still don't know, and that's COVID-19. COVID-19, scientists literally throughout the world are endeavoring to understand this virus and understanding it will enable them to either come up with a treatment plan or a vaccine. I think one of the things that's frustrated for us who are not scientists is we're continually learning new things and asked to do different things because of the information that science continues to gather. Just like global warming. It's a phenomenon that's taking place, but we don't have all the answers of why and how can it be stopped and can it be reversed. We continue to live in a world where nature has hidden secrets that we just don't understand quite yet. And that feeling that we have inside, that feeling of uncertainty, that feeling of not being in control, that is a, an emotion that resonates with our ancient ancestors, the first Homo sapiens, because they experienced those emotions as they became aware of their environment, they began to realize that there were things they couldn't understand. And the reason why they couldn't understand is because their brain was slowly developing. And at some point in this development, their minds were able to begin to seek and question, to be curious. They actually learned to ask the question, why? Why do these things happen? What is the cause behind these things? And that development in their mind allowed them to create what we call animation. They begin to see nature, objects, living and unmoving objects. They begin to see as being animated that they possessed a spirit and that there were spirit beings residing within them. So, for example, if they looked at these different forces that threatened them in nature, as they considered these, they begin to realize that if there's this spirit behind them, this spirits or gods, they could begin to understand the cause for these. For example, why does it rain a lot at times, and why does it rain very little at times? But these gods, these spirits that they created, they don't resemble ours very much today. You see, back then, their view of these spirits and gods, they weren't overly concerned with human beings. They didn't care about the affairs of humanity. They weren't omniscient. They weren't all-knowing. They were just limited to their particular areas. The god of thunder was concerned about thunder and how you reacted to that and how you related to that might have some impact but beyond that scope they were kind of on their own so again think about 
the evolution of the human species, the human or homo sapiens, as their brain continued to evolve and as they began to move into different places on our planet, they began to shift from a hunter-gathering group of people to more agrarian. And what we mean by that is they begin to, instead of going out and killing animals, they begin to domesticate animals. Over time, they developed crops and they developed flocks, which they could then use not only for food, but they could use in different ways to care for their flocks, I mean, for their crops. And in this process, they begin to realize that by coming together, they could share these things. For the first time, you could actually own something. You could produce a crop and its yield was yours. But what do you do with it all? Well, you could barter, you could trade. And so clans begin to join other clans and form tribes. And tribes came together and formed larger communities. And over time, these communities would join together and form city-states. And with this evolving that took place, their environment began to shift. And instead of living purely in nature, they began to live in more urban settings. Their city-states had walls that would protect them. They could return to them and live in them in comfort and then go out and care for their flocks and raise their crops. During this period of time, as their environment changed, their ideas of God also began to evolve further. Initially, these gods, each of them was given a particular force of nature that they were linked with. But again, with time, that changes. And they actually begin to see a god as the force of nature. And at first, this was a monotheistic god, but it's a god above all the other gods. This god, however, was now interested in the affairs of human beings. When you think about a bunch of homo sapiens living together, how they get along becomes important. And so they begin to realize that a god, a high god, who was in charge of humanity, who was interested in human affairs, who was concerned about human justice, as you begin to experience that, all of a sudden, this God began to be very involved and engaged in the world, and in particular, human beings. This is the setting in which we find Genesis 12, and as it continues on throughout the rest of the Bible. It's an agrarian society. The God that calls Abraham is one of these high gods. He is a God above all the other gods. And Abraham is asked to leave his city-state and become a traveler who moves over into Palestine. And in that exposure to, to other groups of people, he's exposed to their gods. Again, as time continues to pass, this one God becomes the particular God, and it's called particular monotheism. So instead of allowing one high God and all these other gods, 
particular monotheism says, no, there is just one God, and the rest of them are false gods. And this God is in charge of everything. So when you're feeling insecure, when you're feeling threatened, when there's a drought, when there's floods, when there's an external threat from other people groups, you would turn to your God. And for Israel, that God was called either Elohim or Yahweh. And you would turn to this God for support, for a sense of control. But it was very important that you obeyed this God. Because if you obeyed the God, then God would bless you. If you disobeyed the God and you did immoral acts, then God would curse you. This is why Deuteronomy is so interesting. Because in the book of Deuteronomy, you do literally have the blessings and the curses. You behave this way. You act toward each other this way. You act this way toward me. I will bless you. However, if you do these things, then I will curse you. So laws become really important. During this period of time, another transition that takes place with regards to God is God is no longer directly attached to nature. In the hunter-gathering phase period of time, the gods and nature are linked like this. But by the time we go into the agrarian society and as we move forward from there, all of a sudden these gods are no longer tied to nature and instead they begin to have human characteristics. They become more like human beings. That's why we find in the Old Testament that God has a dwelling place. At first in Exodus we find God living up on a mountain. And then later on God lives in a tent a tabernacle. And then later on in the Old Testament, God is moved from this traveling God to a God who is happy just staying in one location again, and that's Jerusalem, the temple. And to keep this God happy, because you will make mistakes, they have Leviticus, which tells you what to do for these different offenses to God. You see, it's all about keeping equilibrium, this balance so as you face these threats of nature and from other human beings, you know what to do to keep God on your side. Fast forward two to 3,000 years to July of 2020. We are still worshiping that God. It's almost as if that God got frozen in time. It became static. And one of the reasons that happened was when we canonized these holy writings, when we took the, all these different writings and we put a, a front cover and a back cover on it and called it a book, a Bible, all of a sudden God became stuck in that period of time. And what happens is as we learn more things through science, and through literature and the arts, it creates a conflict. Because our knowledge at times conflicts with this God from thousands of years ago. And so when we find mysteries today, for example, COVID-19, we shouldn't be surprised 
that we respond to this mystery, this external threat, in much the same way that the ancients did in the Old Testament. Sixty-two percent of Christians believe either strongly or somewhat strongly that in the COVID-19, this virus, there is a lesson that God is trying to teach humanity. Sixty-two percent. Now, they don't see this necessarily as a judgment from God. But there is a lesson that we are to be learned, that we are to learn from. And that makes sense if you see God as being in control and very engaged in the affairs of humanity. Yeah, things don't happen just by chance. The ultimate cause of everything is God. And that's why 55% of Christians pray to God that they will be protected from the virus. Somehow they believe by praying to God that God will create some type of protection for them so that they will not have the virus. Could it be that one of the reasons, and again, I don't know, but this one came to my mind as I was preparing this week. Could it be that one of the reasons why some churches were so adamant about continuing to worship in person during COVID-19 was because they believed that they had to worship. That somehow our worship impacts God. How is that any different than the rituals and rites that were performed in the Old Testament? a way of connecting with God. However, we continue as a society to see these ideas of God and what science is teaching us and what we're learning from the geology and ecology. We're seeing all of a sudden that this is happening. We keep running into each other. And more and more people are asking if God is even relevant today. Just like there was a transition in an understanding of God from a hunter-gatherer to an agrarian, could it be in the evolution of Homo sapiens that we are at the very beginning, the cusp, of a transition in our understanding of God. Maybe that's one of the reasons why more and more people are walking away from churches, is because the image of God from the past isn't working anymore in their lives today. They mentally just can't get there anymore. And maybe that's one of the reasons why we're seeing people talk about God as energy, as a life force. Could it be that we are slowly in the development 
in this digital age that we as are evolving again as homo sapiens into a new way of living, and with that, religion is coming along. But that's scary. Let's be honest. Orthodoxy works. You believe this, you pass it on to the next generation, they pass it on to the next generation. It provides stability. It provides certainty. So when you die, you know what will happen. But are we in the midst of this wave that is transitioning us, not only as human beings, but also in our understanding of God? Could it be that we are now beginning to understand what the ancients understand, understood, and that's mystery. Perhaps we are becoming a little bit better at learning to live with mystery. Maybe we'll be a little bit more tentative in talking about God's will. When things happen, Instead of looking to God for an explanation, maybe we'll begin to look and use the tools that we've created to find the answer. And when we can't find the answer, we learn to stand back and be amazed by the mystery of what is there. I don't know the answer for you, but I will share with you just very quickly that that is what happened to me. I begin to see God as a mystery. And at first, that was very unsettling. But over time, I've learned to just sit in that mystery. It's almost a kind of a meditative state of being, of allowing my mind to just grow quiet and just be aware of my surroundings. This is in particular powerful when you're out in nature. I don't know. But I do know that nothing stays the same, life changes. There continues to be mysteries of nature and of humanity that we just don't understand yet. Perhaps we need to put God in that category now. God is the mystery that we do not fully comprehend. I encourage you to think about these things and in particular ask, how does this apply to how I'm going to live my life not only in the midst of COVID-19, but for the years to come. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at beatitudeschurch.org backslash online dash giving. Beatitudes Radio empowering people to enrich society.